Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing? I've had a really weird day um, <laughs> and weekend as well. It was a long weekend. I took care of uh, my grandmother over the weekend, which was very frustrating and uh, just all sorts of testy for me and my impatient personality she has dementia very severe um and then i think i've been wearing the same thing for like three days and then today (laughs) i lost power there's like a major power outage uh in my area and so instead of just waiting for the condo to get like massive like an massive hot like an oven i just left (laughs) so like it was crazy um i it's just been such a weird day (laughs) oh man that, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, especially losing power. Man, that sucks. I have never lost power in this in this house at all. This was the first time first I've ever time, been home huh? and like, boom, it's out. Look at that. Yep. Uh, so today we are not talking about a new movie. We are talking about a uh, an older movie, a movie that is already about to be 11 years old. It's, it's 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, to join us on this episode, we actually brought along uh, my brother, Miguel Albarison. He's been on the show before. How you doing, Miguel? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Hello. <laughs> it's good to see you, Miguel. Miguel's <laughs> like in a dark you room. You can barely see him. Yeah. If you, Don't if look you... into my eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a mystery. So if. Yeah. If you don't know us, we are fans of uh, some very fun movies and the movie we're going to talk about is really fun because yes. I think it's one of the most unique movies I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, before we do that, uh, let's go ahead and first uh, welcome to the people who have never listened before. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support for as little as like two bucks a month. (laughs) You can check out the page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. So today we are going to talk about a cult classic this is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, man. Uh, this is a movie that I think is near and dear to my heart. I think Miguel loves it uh, very much. You are a fan as well, Jessica. I am. Although I did not see it in theaters when gotcha. it first came out. Yeah, I yeah, came to I, it very late. I remember seeing it in theaters and the amount of people that were in there was not very much. Uh, yeah, it was it was a small number at the time. And I think the amount of people that were in the theater when we saw it this weekend is roughly about the same amount that I saw the opening weekend with. So <laughs> got you. <laughs> but this movie is fantastic. It's the cast. is. You're loaded. saying it was pulling pandemic numbers <laughs> in oh, the year that God. it came out. <laughs> in a way. Yes. So uh, real quick, why don't you go ahead and let us know what is this movie about, Jessica? Sure. The IMDb synopsis reads, in a magically realistic version of Toronto, a young man must defeat his new girlfriend's seven evil exes one by one in order to win her heart. Right. And so this movie is directed, written and directed uh, by Edgar Wright. He is the director of such films as the Cornetto trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and At World's End. Uh, Along with Baby Driver. Baby Driver might be his most well-known here in the States, most likely, uh, depending on what type of movie fan you are, of course. Uh, The written part, he wrote it alongside Michael Bacall. It's based off of a graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley. Pause. Uh, Is that a Michael Bacall related to like Lauren Bacall? uh, That's a good question. I did not look that up. To huh. see if they were related, although okay, the last keep name, going, yeah. keep going. It's kind of irrelevant. <laughs> now this is a stacked cast. Uh, this is a cast that 
in 2010 was all a bunch of up and comers. But now you look back at it and you are just marveling. Wow, they got all these people in one movie. Uh, the movie stars Michael Sarah. He is the protagonist, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, then we have Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers. And then the list from there just goes on. We have Chris Evans. We have Ellen Wong, Brie Larson, Kieran Culkin, Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, and Aubrey Plaza. And we're missing people. That is just the extent of some of the main players in the movie. There's other people who show up, who have mm-hmm. bit parts and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, this cast is insane. Uh what did critics say about this movie overall, Jessica? So it's currently sitting at an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. So this thing is fresh. And the audience score is an 84%. So people love it. The critics' consensus, its script may not be as dazzling as its eye-popping visuals, but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is fast, funny, and inventive. So that is what critics think. Audiences seem to enjoy it. Uh, this weekend, it only played in 152 theaters because it's like a special engagement with Dolby AMC. And so even like that, it still pulled 720,000, uh, over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. With 152 theaters only, you know, uh, in its original run back in 2010, it made overall domestically $31.5 million dollars. And worldwide, forty-seven point six worldwide. So okay, not so the it's biggest numbers much, in the world. It's pretty much a North American film. Pretty much, yeah. Because overseas, they're like not yeah, really they're for not it. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's talk about the movie itself. Okay. Uh, I kind of want to bring up this as a point. Why do you think it didn't work initially with audiences, but over time, it's grown and in its estimation. Why do you feel that is? Either one of you can can jump on that question. Miguel, you want to take this one? Sure. I I think it's marketing. I feel like this happens a lot to Edgar Wright's movies just across the board, as, especially at the time. Um, at least until Baby Driver came along. If you go back and you look at any of the trailers for any of his movies, and even specifically Scott Pilgrim, his concepts when he makes any movie, even this one, Uh, there's really no way to make a trailer for it that actually fits with what the movie is. Even I, like, I love the comic, but when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is trash, until I found out that, you know, Edgar Wright was behind it. So I think marketing was a huge part of why it didn't really work the first time around. Hmm. Hmm, Marketing. Uh, Because I remember at the time, and maybe it was just like the channels that I would watch, but I remember at the time uh, with cable, those commercials were coming up all the time for Scott Pilgrim versus the world leading up to the release of the movie. But then again, it could be just the channels that I was watching. They were heavily, you know, designed and programmed to a certain audience. But at least in my eyes, I was seeing those trailer, <laughs> those commercials all the time at that okay. time. Yeah, so. so I don't remember a single freaking trailer. I never went to see it in theaters. It's actually, I would never would have watched the movie um, if it wasn't for my sister who was like, oh, let's watch Scott Pilgrim. It's so funny. And I was like, oh, come on, Scott Pilgrim. Like, it looks so lame. Like, it just seemed like it was for a certain type of audience that maybe was into video games and like, you know, that kind of fighting games specifically. And... Um, I'm not a huge Michael Sarah fan. And so it just did not call to me like this cast is stacked for sure. But nobody in this cast called to me. I mean, really, truly. Yeah. Wow. So that that's I'll add on to that, great. too. I was not a fan of Michael Sarah, like at all. Like, except for, and did Youth and Revolt come out before that? Or was that? I think Youth and Revolt came in after that. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of his at the time. I was like, oh, it's that kid from Juno. That, that's, exactly, that's exactly so that, what I That thought. didn't help either. Yeah. No. I'm sorry, Michael Sarah. You're right. You're right. It doesn't it's, help it's, He plays the same dude every time. There's never a time like, oh, it's it's not Michael Sarah. You're always like, oh, it's Michael Sarah playing Michael Sarah. And it's the same deal for Juno. It's the same deal for um, that Where's Fluffy movie. <laughs> Nick and Nora's <laughs> Infinite Playlist. 
his track up until that point, like now I can kind of look at him and be like, oh, okay, it's Michael Sarah. You know, it's softened over time. But given the two <laughs> movies or whatever amount of movies that led up to this, I was like, ah, oh, it's Michael Sarah. Yeah. It was I'm kind sorry, of a bit Michael of a Sarah. groan. It just, everything about it seemed like kitschy and not my style at all. Okay. So Fair I enough. watched it and was pleasantly surprised because it's super funny, very clever, witty, uh, Fast paced. Everything is super fast. Yes. Um, the comedy's fast. The gags are excellent. And I think it's a bit, it kind of flew over, over everybody's heads, I feel. Yeah, it does. You know, feel it was almost way. too smart for its own good. Mm. Besides yes. the cast not being like. <laughs> it's so heavily draw. entrenched. Like, there's so many. I've seen that movie. The only movie I've seen more than this one of his is probably Hot Fuzz. I've seen Scott oh, Pilgrim at least though. at least 30 times. And I find something new every single time I see it. Yeah, which is a nice quality in a movie because you can return to it and not be bored. Exactly. Uh, and this movie has that special rewatchability quality about it. Um, it does, yes. So a lot of reasons. <laughs> like if people are like me, that they look at the cast and they look at the visuals and they kind of get the gist and they're like, no, like, no, thank you. <laughs> you can keep it and move on. Then I can see why I didn't pull in those box office numbers and I can see why people don't show up. And I can see why it's called a cult classic now because it has a small cult following. It does. Uh, I think this movie over time has grown in appreciation for a lot of people because just like you. You didn't watch it in theaters, Jessica, but you discovered it later and you found it to be funny and and just inventive. And a lot of people will feel that way uh, after watching it much later than, you know, it was originally released. So uh, I <laughs> remember falling in love with the movie from basically the moment I saw it because I hadn't seen you have these love anything. affairs like you see movies and you're just like I loved it from the moment that I saw it and I'm like bro I watched it three times and hated it and then it finally clicked wow like, it, I it dawns have... really quick though like it's one of those that's a movie that when I first saw it I was like oh that like the first 10 minutes were like oh okay gamer jokes but mm. then when like Edgar writes like just the way he stacks a joke, him and Nira Park, who silently works on a bunch of stuff with him, the way that they just kind of stack everything is so good. And it's just so funny. The timing, it, I'm, I'm with Rico on this one. This was like a love at first viewing kind of thing. Well, Obsessed. again, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised when I watched it because I was like, oh, shit, like <laughs> this thing slaps. So, <laughs> you know, slaps. So good. bad on me for sleeping on it, but whatever. So uh, this movie, uh, through Letterboxd, and this is the movie review site, has an average score of 3.9. So just below a four. But yeah, it's basically that is, four. Yeah. Yeah. It's four basically a four. Most people, uh, when they're rating movies, it's less than that. So that's pretty high on Letterboxd. Um, do you know what's your score on Letterboxd for this movie? I do. The, it's a four out of five. It's a four out of five. Yeah. Uh, mine is a 4.5 out of five. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> Ditto. I'm a I'm a four and a half four out of five. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those movies that it's just there's so many good things about it versus the bad, which is very few that uh, I just that's why it's such a high scoring movie for me. Um, let's talk a little bit about the cast outside of Michael Sarah, who obviously is the main star of the movie. But who who's your favorite character outside of scott pilgrim Ooh, it'd have to be kieran culkin ah the yes. roommate uh -huh. the roommate <laughs> yes he's like constantly heckling throughout the whole movie <laughs> and i just feel that deep in my bones like i really identify with that um he, he is uh, he's so quippy and just sassy and really the voice of reason throughout the whole movie so I quite appreciate that Kieran Culkin managed this like duality with the character where he's like simultaneously really caring and gives good advice to Scott. And at the same time, he's like, bro, <laughs> get out, like literally get out of my house. Yes, exactly. I need you to move out. Yeah, he, he plays Wallace in the movie. 
Uh, he's he's such an interesting character because he's always in the background of things that are happening to Scott. So during the first fight, he's up there hitting on Anna Kendrick's boyfriend. <laughs> and then during the Lucas Lee section, you know, he's in the background. Like he even like does this thing. The first fight, he like in slow motion yells out, fight. Yeah. But then against Chris Evans character, he's like, Evil X, fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's too busy, like drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> It's he steals so, every scene that he's in. He does. Like yes, every he does. scene that he has makes it his. It's so good. It is really good. Uh, speaking of Chris Evans, I love Chris Evans' character of Lucas Lee, like the hotshot A-list celebrity <laughs> who's yes. become a movie star. I love it. And like the way he like drops down his voice for everything he says. It's like, I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. Like just like <laughs> really deep down. <laughs> Or with his like um his stunt double. He's a pretty good stunt double, right? Yeah. Yeah. I use he them for the a- wide shots when I'm getting blazed in my Winnie. Those- <laughs> oh god. Those are all his real stunt doubles, guys. That is so great. I'm nothing without my stunt team. Uh yeah, so uh, for me, the that character, Miguel, is there a character that like really stands out for you? I well, I think it might be. Yeah, I think it might be Wallace. Karen Wallace, Cole. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. He stands out the most. He gives like um, he gives the movie so much personality. Like it, it, it's just great. He steals every scene is in. So I'd have to go for him. Yeah. Gotcha. Love him. So outside of the cast, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. And if you're listening to us right now, and you've never seen the movie. Uh, what we can do is we'll go ahead and we'll jump into spoilers because there's so many things that we could talk about. I don't want to spoil beforehand. So let's go ahead and let's talk spoilers for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk about spoilers for a ten and a half year old movie. Uh, so <laughs> it's a just rewind case, episode. You don't have to drag it. <laughs> I know, but just in case somebody's listening and they've never seen it before, I just wanted to give them a heads up. Anyway, uh, all right, so there's a couple of questions because this movie, if you've watched it already, you already know the beats and everything. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask questions instead. Okay. So, uh, first thing, he has to battle seven evil exes, not ex-boyfriends. Let's just make sure that's clear. It's evil exes. What is the best battle that he has to f- face? And I'll let Miguel go first on that one. What's the best battle out of the, out of the evil exes? The best battle. Man, that is hard. That is, like, super hard. Um, hmm. I'm between his fight with Chris Evans and his fight with Brandon Routh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> like yeah. those two fights He's are so vegan. good. Yeah. Like they're the least they're probably well one is like the least surreal in the whole movie and the other is just like so off the wall. But like the stakes feel so high in those fights and just every character involved is just too funny to take seriously. I love it. Yes. Okay. Love All their right. fights. I Veganity love violation. <laughs> you knowingly ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan, and then a chicken parmesan. Oh, no. Chicken isn't vegan. <laughs> the so chicken stupid. parm, like you can get a pass for gelato, but then the chicken. But then the chicken parm, the and then like thing. that, like that look of like confusion, like chicken isn't vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, like everyone's just all in. Like every character is literally chewing up scenery like they're come like they're coming in trying to outdo all the visuals with whatever yes. they're doing or saying so yes. it makes it just so entertaining cuz you're like there's not just one person that's carrying it like every person is trying to like outdo themselves and the other person in the scene and they I'm sure that when they filmed this they had no idea how it was going to look Oh, I bet. No, there's no way because there's no way they could have possibly known what it would look like. There was no movie 
from Edgar Wright that looked like this. So going into it, mm-hmm. there's no idea that it's going to be this fantastical. And, you know, you, they could probably like tell them, hey, it's going to look like the comic in this section and stuff like that. But, you know, when they're like doing stuff like when uh, <laughs> Lucas Lee swings Scott Pilgrim by his legs and throws him against the castle, like I can't imagine that he imagines like that fantastical element, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, props to the cast for doing all of this, chewing up scenery, and they couldn't even see the scenery. Yes. So, uh, I mean, amazing stuff. So he likes the fights, Chris Evans and Brandon Routh. Yeah, those two fights. Yeah. Coincidentally, sure, yeah. two superheroes, because Brandon Routh played Superman at one point, and of course, Chris Evans is Captain America, or was Captain America. The yes. brightest and darkest timeline, both in the same movie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love one day like there's also just like there's so much character in each scene like when you're when he's about to fight Brendan Routh and he's like in the same room as Envy Adams and they're they're all just like sitting in the room and everybody's just exchanging pot shots against each other. Yes. All the characters are like Aubrey Plaza is like wow so did you know I'm talking to Ramona like they're just so tense. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah in in that scene I really love the dig that uh, MV Adams does at Remotum. Uh, <laughs> cute jeans, affordable, and just like <laughs> so savage. Like it's the turn of the head too when she says affordable. It's so great. Yeah, that's an they're trying Oscar to like winner. simmer it down. They're trying so hard to like simmer down and like bring down the tension. They're like, so are you gonna do anything fun while you're in town? <laughs> fun in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> but the the best moment there is when after. Uh, after um, Todd punches knives, first off, that's like let's talk about this because he punches knives, he punches the highlights out of her hair, he punches so hard that that's the part, yes. (laughs) And and then, oh, someone else later, some other girl gets punched later. Um, is it knives again or is it is it Ramona? Ramona gets punched later on, yeah, because the girls are just punching bags in this movie. Yeah, but they punch each other too, like kapow. <laughs> they do. They do fight back at least in, in, in most parts. But like not, not that. Not that first one. Like nobody really calls them out. Like when they hit the girls. No, it and especially Todd because like he looks around. They know it's a low blow, and they still do it. Yeah, and he's like, "What? I'm not afraid to hit a girl." Yeah, he's like, "I'm not above hitting a girl." <laughs> Yeah, that's what like, Todd what? says. I'm but not afraid I, to hit a girl. He's so dumb. He's so it. dumb. But I do love when young Neil like looks at her and he's like, he punched the highlights out of her hair. And he then like he says, it. it repeats it. He punched the he highlights out of her hair. <laughs> like louder. <laughs> the repeat kills me. The repeat oh, kills man. me as well. Yeah. So I didn't quite gel with that. And I never, because I almost never watched Scott Pilgrim. This is basically my second time watching the movie. Yeah. So on this watch, I was like, whoa, why didn't I remember them punt? Literally punched her for no reason at all. Exactly. Well, it gets countered too because then there's the fight, you know, between just uh, after that and what's her name? Knives and Ramona at the end. No, 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 not knives. Um, Oh, the um, the other ex, the ex girlfriend Uh, played by. You're talking about? um, Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's um. Oh man, it's the girl. May with May Whitman. May Whitman. When they're fighting her, like Scott's like, I can't hit a girl. They're soft. And so just Ramona has to hold his hands to actually punch her out. Roxy is her name. Yeah, Roxy. Your typical middle school emo girl. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of chewing scenery, that girl in every moment that she's on screen is just chewing it up. Uh, Everything she says is just overdramatic. Everything she does is ridiculous. Uh, Roxy's character. Uh, I still don't know what the line that she says when she says, um, your BF's about to get F'd in the B. I still don't know what the B is. I don't get it. Balls? Maybe, but butt. like. It's going to get F'd butt. in the butt. I get. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess I guess so. Yeah, that, that you're right. That's probably it. It's definitely butt. I love how she's the only um, ex that's like slipping on being quippy. 
Like yeah. she shows up oh, too yeah. early. Like she shows up way too early for her <laughs> fight. And then she just disappears. She's like, I just cashed my last rain check. Oh, what's that from? My brain. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll see you later, but you won't see me because next time I'll be deadly serious next time. What? Never mind. And she just vanishes. <laughs> she just the vanishes. never mind killed me. <laughs> the never mind is ridiculous. Calling Ramona a hasbian. That's just oh. great. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. There's, she has really great lines. She does. Yeah. Um, the the fight for me is I think it's the vegan one because like it's like a full extension starting from the moment that he punches Pilgrim up in like to the sky and like he falls down. <laughs> And like they have a full conversation before he falls back down. But I really love the base battle. That that was, that's mine. Mine is the base battle. I love the the way that is constructed because uh, just like in every fight, they show like them and they show the versus sign, you know, in between them and the way they're standing one on the left, one on the right. But I love that Scott tries to take control of the song by starting the song. And then Todd just comes in with an intricate bass solo on each and every one. Whatever Scott plays, like he tries to change the rhythm and then like <laughs> Todd just comes in and like just yes. tops it. It's fantastic. I love that. I like the also the fight between the twins. Oh, yes. Where yes. they their music or their power manifests in like a giant dragon. The Karayanagi twins. Scott, Yes, and then Scott is like this, what, the abominable snowman, like yeah, a Bigfoot like type. Yeah, yeti or something. Yeah, a yeti. <laughs> exactly. It's a yeti with green eyes. So I quite enjoyed that fight, too, because it was just like a CGI bonanza. <laughs> it was just <laughs> so consuming. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good, it, visually, that is like an incredible fight. Uh, so... That's the fights. Um, now, uh, we special have- shout out to the first one, though, because. Oh, yeah. Against what, Matthew I Patel. forget Matthew Patel <laughs> because he comes in <laughs> with like these little like Bollywood hand gestures. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> and I was dying. And then I think he busts out in a little bit of a Bollywood number as well. He does. Which so the confusion me. of just like everyone around him. Everyone's like, lost. Yeah. Anna Kendrick's yeah. like the zoom in on Anna Kendrick is my favorite. It's like with my I'll beat you with the slightest. And she's like, what? Like <laughs> all those like demon hipster like henchwomen come out. Yeah. Nobody yes. knows what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the comment from someone up there. He's like, why are you dressed like a pirate? <laughs> and then he, he even says like. Pirates are in this season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. The, the battles are so inventive and fun. I, I enjoy them a lot. Uh, let me go to another best. This movie is full of musical cues all the way throughout, whether they're playing songs, whether they're songs that come in. What is the best musical moment of this movie? I'll start with Jessica this time. It's the Seinfeld Oh my god! Baseline <laughs> for wow, me, wow. personally, I lost my shit in the theater when they did the Seinfeld, bom, 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 like just died. Yeah, completely. That, that's really funny. Took it's me by funny. surprise. And, and they, the way they play it as a, you know, a, a typical you like know, a sitcom, sitcom in front Cut of away. a live audience. Yeah. And the little jokes that you would hear on a typical sitcom was like, I got to second base. And then you hear the woo. And then he's like, <laughs> well, first and a half. <laughs> like, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I did not expect you to go there. But then at the same time, yeah, that, that makes you sense. You did expect you, me to yeah, go there. <laughs> yeah, it's, I get it. Uh, Miguel, what is your favorite musical moment, song, anything? Oh, there's so many good ones. Like you got Zelda, the Zelda theme, which no idea how they managed to get that in a movie when he's going to the bathroom. Oh, I know yeah. how. Oh, yeah. So Let's hear he, it. Edgar Wright wrote a letter to Nintendo saying that the song from Legend of Zelda is considered to be the nursery rhyme of this generation. That's pretty fair. So, so he got it that way. 
Oh man. There's so many there's so many of those. Like there's that, there's they pepper the sound effects throughout the movie. Um what was the other one? There was one that really stood Oh, when he is basically just juggling knives and uh Ramona and he starts playing the Final Fantasy 2 baseline. Mm. Oh yeah. It's super recognizable to anyone who's played like right off the bat. But you know what? I think I'm gonna have to give it to um to envy when she's playing that uh, cover of that metric song. Yes. Oh. Yes. That is my choice as well. And they're realizing like, they're looking at the stage like, you know, him? Oh yeah. Oh no. Like, and they're just all like <laughs> staring at each other dead in the eye. That's probably my right. favorite yes. moment that I love that version of that song because I've heard the original by metric and I've heard the one that Brie Larson does. Uh, that is Brie Larson singing. Yes. And I really love that version of the song. I've heard it completed, like the full version, and it's really good. Uh, special shout out to the cover of, um, what's the, it's Sade. It's the Sade cover. Oh, By Your uh, Side. Beach by Your Sparks. Side. Yes, exactly. Shout out to that cover, which is when Scott and Ramona go to Ramona's place for the first time and, you know, they get together. That song is wonderful and the cover is really good as well. So shout out to that. But uh, me and Miguel share the same one. It's it's the song by Metric that uh, the Clash of Demon Head sings. <laughs> yeah. So while we're on the subject of. Brie Larson, mm. her over sexualized moaning and groaning <laughs> throughout the whole movie. I love that. Unacceptable. So it's it's so unacceptable. Ridiculous. I can't even with it. Like she like, literally is like just speaking in like orgasm. Yeah, <laughs> the, the whole, whole time. Movie. Pretty much. Yeah. Like just in the song alone, like the way she's like, oh yeah. Like just like. <laughs> But it's, it's, what, what is it? Okay. My, the one that really stands out to me is when she's talking to Scott, she sees Ramona and she's like, we're playing a show tonight. You should so totally come. And I'm yeah, just like, <laughs> I hate it. It's so over the top. It so is. over the top. Yeah. But it's, it's all so great. It's super like sexy voice, just ridiculous. For no um, reason. For no, like, reason. no reason. For no reason. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, funny okay. that that uh her her version of the song actually is something that I only recently found out because people had wanted to listen to it for so long. It only now just got released. Yeah. Like her full version of it. Like they finally just trotted it out for the anniversary for a new version of the soundtrack. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe they only recorded a bit, but the whole thing sounds really good. Look at her, Oscar winner and a singer, apparently. Get it. Yeah. All right. So I want to get to this question because the movie surrounds Scott and Ramona. Yes. This, it's a relationship between them. Scott is fighting her evil exes. Uh, is it a relationship? Yeah, that's the main question. But I think... We have identified that Scott is not a good person. Scott he, sucks. Yeah, Scott kind of sucks. And Ramona's not that much better. No, Ramona sucks too. So uh, there's people going to ask, why do they suck? So let, let's answer that question first, and then we'll answer the other question. But why do these two characters suck? Okay. Uh, we're not saying they're bad performances or anything, but the oh, characters no, no. themselves. Yeah, no. Scott's a terrible person, first of all. I think that he should never have started dating a teenager. Number one, yes. As a rebound, much less. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's like, it, it, you know, kind of ber berating him for dating a teenager and think it's really gross, which 100% it is. But at the same time, like he did it as like an emotional crutch. <laughs> like yes. because he envy broke up with him. Yeah. He, a 17 year old he, Chinese schoolgirl. Yeah. So, it's a Catholic school, too. Oh my God, with the uniforms? Outfits. 
Yeah, so I just feel extremely bad for Knives from the get-go because she's so perky and innocent and doesn't realize that he is, it's almost like a break for him in his mind to spend time with her. Yeah. Because it's like zero commitment, zero like effort. He just like mindlessly listens to her day and it's not demanding in any sort of way. It's not... He finds so a weird not, way to try to justify mm-hmm. that relationship. They don't have equity. They're mostly friends. And the movie plays it for last because he's like, oh, yeah, we almost held hands once. <laughs> right. Like shit like that. Like, have you been kissed yet? And he's like, no, like she can't even go out. <laughs> she has to stay out. Um, Oh, my God. What's the line? She can only go out when the when the sun's out or something. So it's not it's not really dating. <laughs> right. So it's not really dating. Like he gets that it's not a real relationship. But yeah. he doesn't communicate that to knives. He's just That's like, oh, problem. yeah, my girlfriend. Yeah. That is the biggest problem. And also uh, uh, the problem with that is that when he s- goes after Ramona, he does not break it off with knives. No. And everyone tells him, oh, OK, so you like this other girl? Fine. Break up with knives. And he doesn't. He's scared. No, he, He's he a chicken. Chickens He's out. an asshole. Yeah. yeah. He does that yeah. with everybody, too. Like he does. He did that with Kim. He did that, like they rattle yeah. off all these names and. The biggest irony is that he hates confrontation, especially with like emotional confrontation. (laughs) But he fights seven exes, which is the definition of confrontation throughout the whole movie. So it's almost like he's like the seven evil exes are helping him to like realize what he should do better. And at the end of the movie, he he earns (laughs) self-respect. And that's right. like part of the comedy too. That's part of the comedy. Right. That he weaponizes his self-respect. But um He's also yeah. a terrible bandmate too. Like terrible he constantly bandmate. ditches them on their yes. uh, with their rehearsals, with everything. He just like leaves. Well, Neil knows my parts and then bails. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So terrible. I just think he's a terrible person. Obviously, he doesn't contribute anything to the house where he lives with Wallace. Because they have that whole scene where they're pointing out everything that's owned by Wallace and owned by Scott. And basically nothing is owned by Scott. So he's mooching off of Wallace as well. Yes, exactly. So it's just dumb. Like, he's so dumb. He's a terrible character. Why would Knives want to be with him? And why would Ramona want to be with him? He's just a bum. So that's why Scott sucks. I mean, (laughs) uh, great points all the way around. And... I think Kim says it the best when she goes, uh, Scott, you're the salt of the earth. And then he's like, thanks. And then I'm sorry, you're the scum of the earth. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty much what we got going here. Now, on the other side, we have Ramona. Ramona is the girl that he's after. And she is bad in herself. She is a very she leads him on. Lead okay. on Scott. So let's talk about but this. But then it's like very fickle. Yeah. Ramona's got a little bit of 500 Days of Summer thing going on where she yeah. obviously is very playing it very aloof and mysterious and indifferent to basically every person she comes in contact with. No effect on her whatsoever. She doesn't give a shit. Yep. She moved to Toronto to start over. And when she says yes to date on a going on a date and hanging out with Scott, he asks her a personal question, like, I think about her ex or like why she came to Toronto. And she's like, can we not talk about that? Like, she's all bitchy about it. Like, right. It's a very normal question to ask, like even a friend or someone that you just met. Like, oh, yeah. Like, what brought you to Toronto? Yes. So. It is. She makes it seem like it's like unreasonable for him to ask like such a question. And he's like, and oh, then we sorry. see the exes, then they're all super powered. Like it's mm-hmm. weird because she's terrible, but like they try to um, subvert that by revealing that uh, Gideon was like controlling her the whole time. But even she is like, yeah, I've dabbled in being a bitch. Like every single <laughs> right. past relationship she has, she just like bails on everybody. Yeah, the- no one controlled her then when she was breaking up with the guys for whatever reason exactly like the only credit i can give ramona and that's barely is that she'll like 
she mentions, yeah, I used to suck. Yeah, I none of that was like, you know, what I mean, like she tries to say like, oh, well, yeah, those relationships got sucked because I sucked. But it's not enough. So it's like these right. two really terrible people fighting all this presumably to get better is like, not to I, mention the fact that she literally disappears during half the fights oh, like yeah. he's fighting for her fighting her ex and she d- gone during the middle of the fight who knows when she's dipped she just bails every she time. just bails and it makes no sense like in the grand scheme of things it makes her look bad yes makes exactly. her look real bad makes yeah her she's look really bad so I think that brings up the question, which character is worse? Like, who is the worst character? I think it's Scott. (laughs) You think it's Scott? Scott's the worst. I think Scott's the worst because of the fact that he is, he he doesn't stand up for what he needs to do. Like, he, he needs to break up with knives. He needs to stop letting on people. Uh, but he he won't do it. He he's a coward in that. He's sense. a coward. Yes, he's a coward in that sense. Sure, he's fighting these seven evil exes because you know he's infatuated with Ramona, but he's too afraid to do what he has to do, which is break up with knives and and apologize for being an ass in the past. Yes, like he never at least apologized. Ramona has a job, and at least yeah. Ramona realizes um, you know the harm that she's done and yeah. is self aware. Yes. We're led to believe that Ramona's kind of like a loner too. Like she finds a guy who she can like get together with, but then disappears. Baffling, but Scott has like this whole network of people who are constantly telling him what he's doing is wrong, mm. telling him that he could do better, telling him he could be better, yes. and he doesn't listen to any of it. Right. So like at least Ramona has no support system. And Ramona's Scott just does. literally blading through life, falling in because, and then it doesn't help that everybody that she falls for is a dick too. Like she never left somebody for someone better. Like everybody was awful, but Scott has yeah. all these people and he still doesn't do anything good. Exactly. He, he doesn't do anything good at all. all right. So I think we're all in agreement at Scott as the worst of the two characters that the movie is kind of centered on. For sure. I see a face you're making, I'm Jessica. I'm on the fence. You're I'm on, on the, the fence. fence because I really don't like Ramona either. Gotcha. Um, mostly because she never tells him that there's this League of Evil Exes that are going to come after him like no. any second. Yeah. You're right. She, she's she like almost make... just a surprise. Like she's like, oh shit, like it's happening. Instead of being like, hey, hmm, I know it's our first date and all, but FYI, I come with a lot of baggage. Like seven evil exes might try and kill you kind of baggage. Right. Maybe it's not a case of like which one is better. Maybe it's just a case of which one is less bad. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> It's like the difference between a 100-degree day and a 98-degree day. You're like, right. It's still terrible. <laughs> it's still terrible. Uh, so let's flip it then. We're talking about characters. Which character do I do you identify with the most? I think you guys kind of answered it. Wallace, right? It's Wallace, but at the same time, I really feel for Knives because mm. I feel like there was a large part of my life where I was very much like Knives just kind of easygoing and um really admired like indie bands <laughs> was into like <laughs> punk rock and shit and was very influenced by um their looks and um all that shit like you know the warped tour jessica is still somewhere inside of me but, oh, um, <laughs> pour one out for warp tour Bro. that for sure but um so that's why i feel for for her and obviously like (laughs) she can take care of herself as you can see like at the end of the movie she really comes through yeah um but yeah i just feel for knives i feel like there was a time where i was like oh yeah like ddr and (laughs) would play that and shit yeah so yeah yeah wow uh (laughs) yeah so how about you miguel uh probably wallace because like just through and through, that's basically same person. You just are standing Wallace. on the sidelines, just saying some sneaky shit. Yes. Like, I love how he'll, like, he'll always just make something worse and completely evade the consequences also. 
in the yes. middle of his fight with Chris Evans, like things are so heated. He's like, hey, with his coffee in hand, <laughs> ask him how it feels to have his sloppy seconds. How's the feel to cracks a skateboard right across <laughs> his face? <laughs> yeah, you He's are basically Wallace. He's an instigator, but nothing bad ever happens to him. And I feel like that's me. For sure. Just throw a throw throw a Molotov cocktail from far away. <laughs> yes. Just have a I good love, chuckle. Love I it. love when um he sends a text when he's unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> to Anna Kendrick. And they're like, how did you even do that? Like it's important for him to get have his hands in everything. I love that. And that's one hundred percent you. Wow. <laughs> Fan. All right. Nice. For love you, Wallace. what is it, Rico? Who um, which character? That's that's kind of a tough one. I feel like it's a mixture of characters that I kind of identify with. Uh, in a way, it's uh, actually the band leader. Uh, I I feel like I if I really Stills. after something stills. Yeah. If I'm really after something, I like really want to do it and like really like pursue it and chase after it. Um, and internally I'll be like him where he's freaking out out on the outside. I'm not, but inside I'm just like one of my favorite moments with him is like during the first battle of the bands is where the music is playing and you can hear him faintly basically yelling over the music. He's like, I can't believe we have to go after them. Scott, why are you standing there? You're freaking me out. Like I really great sound mixing that yes. great sound mixing on that. And, and another moment I love is like, Hey, we we got a gig and it's because of your ex-girlfriend. Oh, come on. And he's like, a gig is a gig is a gig. And then like <laughs> Scott tries to interrupt and he's like, for the band, man. Come on. For the band. For the band. Yes. For the band. But it, for the band. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the band leader as well. And yeah, you do have a bit of the band leader in you where you're just I can see like that. Yeah. trying yeah. to make it, you know, like hustling. Just hustling and trying to make it. Rallying and the troops. <laughs> rallying the troops. Yeah, exactly. We need groundswell. We need stalkers. <laughs> and when he moves, that's where Knives is at the Knives window. Knives is there in the window. <laughs> 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 Oh my god! Oh, uh, so that. so good. Um, this is a question that I didn't write down, but I I think it would be good to ask: Is there a line that really stands out throughout the movie for you? Whether it's something funny, whether it's something insightful, uh, just a line or a a monologue, anything that really stands out for you. Uh, I know that for me, I really love. It's it's a very silly one too. But it's when Ramona and Scott are having dinner at his place. And I put that in quotation marks. And so they're eating garlic bread. <laughs> He's just like, oh, it's my favorite food. I eat it all the time. I would eat it all the time without stopping. And Ramona's like, then you get fat. No, why would you get fat? Because bread makes you fat. Bread makes you fat? <laughs> like with a big piece of bread in his mouth. And smash cut to 45 minutes later. It's one of my favorite little gags. It's like the quick cut of saying the line. Yes, it's so good. It is really good. <laughs> I really, really, really enjoy uh, you cocky cock. Oh, yes. You cocky <laughs> cock. <laughs> the yeah. way he yells. Love that. I need a pee due to boredom. <laughs> That's a good one. I love the intro by... Uh, Kim, whenever like she starts playing, we are sex bomb, and then like mm. she'll follow it with something. Yeah. So like, <laughs> uh, like we're here to play loud and make you think about death and stuff. One, two, three, four, and just <laughs> go nuts. Amazon.ca. What's the website for that? Amazon.ca. <laughs> Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? It's the weekend. It won't go out till Monday at the earliest. He's just sitting by the door. Selling by the door. It, it's it's so funny. Um, I think, oh, I, I really love during the, the vegan fight when <laughs> it's the dumbest line that he says, but he goes, you once were a vegan but now you'll no, be stop. gone. And then Todd is like, vegan. And then he just smashes, smashes him in the head. his head in the coins. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, when Knives asks young Neil, what do you play? And he goes, wow. Um, Zelda, Tetris. That's kind of a big question. Oh, man. 
That's great. Also, from the vegan part is like the entire vegan police back and forth. Like that entire thing is just <laughs> fantastic. It's like, but don't I get three strikes? And then like the second <laughs> cop just unwields like the notepad. It's like 1247 on February 1st. You no. normally ingested gelato. Gelato isn't vegan. It's milk and eggs, bitch. <laughs> 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 Still reading. <laughs> April 4th, 730, you partook of a plate of chicken parmesan. And then like the way he just looks. I just love the way he looks. And he's like, chicken isn't vegan. He's just like looking around. He's so dumb. Oh, that is great. I love that line. Uh, so uh, how about you, Mio? <laughs> Did you have any lines that kind of stand out or that you really love? Um, at, Oh, at the beginning during the battle, the first battle of the bands or the first gig when uh, <laughs> the first band comes Sorry, up, they're like, we're crashing the boys. Is that girl a boy too? Yes. <laughs> and they just flip them off. <laughs> they cut to the little girl. <laughs> they play the little song. They're just like, this song is called I'm So Sad. I'm So Very, Very Sad. So sad. Thank you. It's not a race, guys. <laughs> this next one's for that guy who keeps screaming up there. It's called We Hate You. Please die. And he's just like, oh, great song for me. <laughs> like, you can't no, put him so on. Good. Like, every single thing he comes up with is just so great. Um, oh my god this anything is anything my... roxy says too roxy says the one that i'm about to say so oh. ramona says i was just a little bi curious and roxy goes i'm just a little bi furious <laughs> her fight is like so pun heavy i love it it is oh, oh my god we I didn't love even puns. talk about like speaking of like sexy voices and like just orgasmic type of things oh no her fight the way it ends Oh, yeah. The back of the knee. The back of the knee. Oh, my God. I'm just like, oh, God. It's ridiculously over the top. And just like like, it's so campy. It really is. And then like the sound effects, because we watch in Dolby. So you really hear the stuff. So like when the coins are just flying everywhere Mm -hmm. and you hear her like last size, just, you know, fading out is is so over the top. It's ridiculous. It's just like echoing for the longest time. They actually is funny. I was scrolling through back when cable was a thing and it'd come up on a um, cartoon network. I was like, Oh, okay, let's see it. So I'm watching. I was like, like it's a movie that doesn't need much censorship, but like when it's on a kid's network, it's like, what could they possibly do? That scene, he touches the back of her knee and they just like mute the part. They just skip to her exploding into coins and it's just muted for like a solid five seconds. <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's just like. <laughs> um, one more line from Wallace. I didn't write the gay rule book. Take it up with Liberace's ghost. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great one. <laughs> I, I, I love the the uh, drawing that Scott holds up at the party. Hey, have you seen a girl that looks like this? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah that's like Ramona Flowers. flowers. <laughs> scribbles. It's a oh. scribble. <laughs> All I know is that she's American. American. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's so good. It's, uh, all the lines in this movie, there's so many, like, funny lines. Uh, so oh, I have gags. a question for yes. you guys. So this movie is very unique, obviously. Are there any other movies that remind you of Scott Pilgrim versus the world or you feel like took inspiration from Scott Pilgrim? Uh, I think there was one that I can think of that came. The problem is that the book was written before it, but the movie came after it. And that's uh, Ready Player One. Like a lot of like video right. game references, a lot of like the player is interacting with the world and the world feels like a video game in a way. Mm. Uh, but the thing is like the book was written before Scott Pilgrim, but the movie came after that, you know? Right. Uh, I feel like kick-ass was a precursor. Mm, yeah. Yeah. For I, sure. Like the graphic novel thing is uh-huh. the main inspiration there. Do you think if we didn't have Scott Pilgrim, would there be say a Deadpool How do you mean? Because I feel like Deadpool is just rated R Scott Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim Because it's very Mm. quippy, Mm. very punny, 
and you know just I don't meets think like so. superheroes the, versus the reason, gamer. No, well, the reason why I don't think so, I think that Deadpool would exist on its own because of the fact that it is more centralized in comics and it it's surrounded with characters that an average audience knows. So like it's surrounded with X-Men and mutants and stuff. So I think eventually a movie like Deadpool would have happened. But also on top of that, Scott Pilgrim is obviously aware of itself and the weird world that they've built. Whereas opposed to Deadpool is just breaking the fourth wall the entire time, like letting you in like, haha, see, this is funny, right? That Marvel thing that they do. Like there is no fourth wall. There's no wall at all. We're all just there in the set with them. (laughs) Yeah, that's how it feels. But versus Scott Pilgrim, you are dropped into this very weird world that they are aware of. Like they are aware that it's weird, Mm -hmm. but they're never like looking at camera and being like, how weird is this? Right. (laughs) You know, that's how Deadpool is pretty much like and Scott Pilgrim has kind of that sense of humor in the books like so much of so there's a lot of visual gags obviously uh but like a lot of the scenes are pulled directly from the comic in terms of where they're standing what they're saying everything but i think what makes scott pilgrim so unique even with deadpool and kick-ass and everything is edgar wright's work like all the timing that's done it and so many of the gags come back from like spaced they come back from hot fuzz Shaun of the dead if you were to watch these movies back to back it's crazy how unique the movie is. Like you can't really, I don't know. It, it's just so unique. I can't imagine anything like it. Yeah. It's really hard to name another movie that's like it. Um, closest would be other <laughs> Edgar Wright movies. Maybe for aesthetics, um, Sucker Punch. Borrowed gags too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to name it's other really movies hard. that are like it. Yeah. It's really hard. So uh, before we get out of here, uh, just a couple of bits of trivia about this movie. A couple of things. Number one, uh, the opening title sequence. Apparently there wasn't going to be an opening sequence where they're rocking out, which is crazy thinking about it. Like, how could they not do that? But apparently originally the movie only had like a title card at the beginning and it was Quentin Tarantino who suggested to Edgar Wright late in the uh, post-production stage that there should be a pre-title credit sequence. So, yeah, I can't imagine that movie Um, starting without, like, them, like, rocking out with the title sequence going on. Yes, 100%. Yeah, so... Especially since the movie moves so fast after. Yes, yes, it does. Yeah. It really does. And I love the visual style and the song at the beginning, too. Like, I, I really enjoy the way it all looks at the beginning. So that's pretty strange, the fact that we almost didn't get that. Um, now, Ramona changes her hair color multiple times in this movie. Jessica, yes, she does. why does she change her hair color multiple times? Well, it corresponds with the colors of the three goddesses from The Legend of Zelda. So yeah. pink is Din, blue is Nehru and green is Faror. I don't know. I don't play Legend of Zelda. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it had a lot of meaning. Yes. Yes, Except they're just colors to everyone else. To everyone else, they're just colors. But if you're like really steeped in, like you could get the significance pretty much. Especially now, since all her sound effects are from The Legend of Zelda. Whenever she appears on screen, like, like all those sound effects are from that game. When he opens the door for her, uh, when she makes her first delivery, that's the same noise you get when you open a box and there's an item in it, like a sword in Zelda. Like, that's what that's from. The whole movie is like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh um. I think you want to take this one, Miguel, because you were talking about how Edgar Wright didn't want to cast anybody who was English. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So. <laughs> you're already like, you're like giggling. You can, I just you love it because it. it's such a caper. All right. So like Edgar Wright told his casting director they didn't want to hire any English actors. 
um, because it was such a North American film, uh, specifically Canadian, like ev- almost everything about the movie is so Canadian, the soundtrack, the contributors, everything. So uh, Satya Baba, the guy who played uh, Matthew Patel, he passed the audition with a non-English accent. And it wasn't until much later he revealed that he's actually English. So he just kind of <laughs> like slipped right under the door. Whoop. That's 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 great. I love that. Yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> I, I love that. It really is. That he is acted the actor. Okay. Now, <laughs> apparently there's a shot which I thought was like CGI'd, but apparently it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Jessica, what's what what was it that they did so many times? Okay, so Michael Sarah actually did throw the package over his shoulder into the garbage can after 33 takes, most of oh, which God. are seen on the DVD. So if you want That's to catch great. those and the outtakes. Um, Edgar Wright wanted the throw to be real for authenticity's sake, which is really ironic because there's so much CGI and special effects in the movie, plus the signature that he does just just before that design for the package yeah was a complete visual effect superimposed onto the paper <laughs> so <laughs> he wasn't even signing it like for real that's wow. too good that's too, yeah. too good it's it's too good it really is <laughs> uh, what about and- the x's the location of all the X's. Yes. Uh, that's oh, something you that's were pointing this out. The movie. Yeah. yeah. So you see it from the very beginning when um it, you see it when Knives and Scott are walking in the snow. There's an overhead shot where there's a huge X and it's just alluding to the first X. And as you keep going, uh, when they go, get to Lucas Lee or rather Chris Evans, there's two uh, crossing pedestrian crossing signs with X's. But what I found really interesting that just keeps going throughout the movie and so do the numbers like he's in trailer number two, he's X number two, all of that. But one of my favorite uses is with uh, Roxy because Roxy shows up so early. He's walking down the street and there's all these X's. So they, they yeah. like skip a huge number. But and the movie's like littered with visual gags like that that just allude to everything that's going on. But once you like look out for the X's, it becomes a fun game on a rewatch. See if you can spot them all. Yeah. Yeah, because they're all over the place. So I asked Miguel this in the theater and because I wasn't sure why was the snow melting whenever Ramona was skating around? And I said, is it because she's like super hot? (laughs) Is that why? And he was like, yeah, like she's hot, I guess. guess." (laughs) With her like illuminated rollerblades and everything. Just like, I guess so. There you go. She's hot. Like, I okay. think that's the answer. I think. Uh, All right. And now, the last one. Yes. The music. Last trivia. Yes. Yes. The band. Uh, so the four cast members who make up the band Sex Bob-omb, uh, <laughs> they bas- they spent several weeks learning how to play together as a band. So you have Mark Weber who plays Stills. You have Allison Pill as Kim. And you have uh, Johnny Simmons as Young Neil. Uh, they had to learn their instruments from scratch. Uh, but not Michael Sarah. Apparently, Michael Sarah had to dumb down his bass playing oh to not outshine his bandmates <laughs> because he was a good I, bassist before. I love that. They're like, "You're too good." So Back can you please dumb it yeah. down? That's <laughs> why it's. Down. That's why like it looks and sounds so rudimentary when he's playing the bass. It does. Like it's just like 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 just like <laughs> rushing it and just. That's why it looks like that. It's so funny to me. Oh, it just Especially adds like to the as, character. Like if you really love like music, like just watching him play, it's just like you can tell like he's like, I, I can play. But then, like, he's matched up against someone like Todd, and it's just like, oh, I really can't play. Right. <laughs> That's so. Oh, God. Yeah, it's too good. So, anything else you want to say about the movie before we let it go here? No, um, I, I'm good. You good, Miguel? Uh, check out the soundtrack. Check out the yeah. soundtrack. Because even though, like, the, and not even just because of the original band, like, M83 is on there. Metric is on there. Beck is on there with a cover of that really terrible Ramona song. Beck actually, um, <laughs> he composed, right. he composed like the bass, uh, the bass battle. And a lot of just the music was composed by him. So nice. just check out the soundtrack. It's, oh, wow. it's stacked, super stacked. 
Speaking of the Ramona song, I like how it sounds super bad and choppy on a Spanish guitar. Like, <laughs> yes. Who writes a song on a Spanish guitar? <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, okay. That's it. That's it. Someone who's <laughs> impulsive and dumb. Scott Pilgrim. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that is it for this episode of Always the Critic Podcast, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. If you've seen this movie and have some moments or favorite lines or favorite battles, let us know at Always Critic Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and TikTok. You can find us on all four. Uh, just reach out to us. Let us know what your favorite part of the movie is, who's your favorite character. We would really love to hear that. Uh, and again, if this is your first time listening, thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. If you like us and you gave us five stars, you might as well become a patron. It's such a great way for you to get involved. Become a supporter of our show. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. Before we let everyone go here, Miguel, I want to thank you for coming on this episode. Uh, as a guest, it was a lot of fun. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun for me, too. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that Sorry. has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always the Critic podcast.